start. Um, so if you don't mind this morning, uh, I actually, I wanted to spend some time in talking to us about, because it's Mother's Day, I wanted to spend some time talking about women. Um, because, you know, it's probably no secret, I love women. Yeah. And I am very thankful for the women that are in my life. To my mom, happy Mother's Day. I'm so thankful. <laughs> there she goes. Love you, mom, too. She's going out. She's going home. We'll see you. Um, and so I'm so thankful to that, to my wife, the mother of my future daughter. Ooh, happy Mother's Day. Right. Yes, um, and I want to do that this morning. I want to spend some time talking about uh, women because uh, over the last few years, I've been really into this women's, I, want, I don't want to call it women's liberation movement because I think there's sometimes a negative connotation with that, but really this, this women's empowerment movement. Uh, I've just been really into it in the last few years because I believe that not only is it something secular that's happening in the world, but I believe that it's a God-appointed thing that's happening in the world right now. Um, and, you know, I remember it really what started it for me, you know, to my shame was watching Wonder Woman, you know. And I fell in love with Wonder Woman because it was this moment where you, you it was almost like you saw the God design inside of a woman. And even though she's a fictional character, um, I believe that God has amazing destiny for every person, man and woman. And I believe that really this movement of what is happening around the world today of empowering women to rise into their place is really a God thing. Uh, because one of the things as I kind of did my studies uh, was that I, I realized that over the centuries, this isn't just a 21st century problem, but really over the centuries, uh, women's oppression has been something that's really been on the forefront of society. And and we don't agree with that, and, and not necessarily that I'm saying that I think that all the mechanisms of the women's liberation movement are the way that they should do them, um, but I believe that there is a generation that's rising that is going to, not through violence or threats or through picketing, but there is a generation of women who is arising that is going to stand in their God destiny. Because one of the things that we're going to talk about this morning is that I believe that Jesus was really the founder of the women's liberation movement. We, Jesus was interested in liberating women into their destiny. And so just as I was doing a little bit of my research, um, I realized that during the time of Jesus, um, really at the time of Judaism, which really started in the 400 years between Malachi and Matthew, during that time was where really the birth of Judaism happened. And in Judaism, this religion, the oppression of women was rampant. And actually, um, at one point, there was this famous rabbi who said, I would rather burn the Torah than to teach it to women. So in Jesus' day, we have to understand this because this is where I'm going, so I'm laying a little bit of foundation, that women had no rights, they had no respect, and they had no voice. That basically, they were treated like a slave. That they were essentially property. That at any point, a man, the husband, could do whatever he wanted to do with the wife. Wanted to divorce her, wanted to make her a slave, wanted to beat her. Essentially, women had no rights. They weren't allowed to testify in the courts. Really, nothing, you know, something bad could have happened to a woman, and she wouldn't have been allowed to go to the courts to appeal to the courts to say, this is what happened to me. It was basically like she was property, right? And this is what this uh, 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 Elzer made reference to, is that showing the, the, really the degradation of women throughout society, that he said, I'd rather burn the Torah 
than to teach it to a woman. And, and it's really at this moment in time where we see Jesus. And essentially, I, I realized that in Luke 4.18, when Jesus said that he came to set the oppressed free, really when he said that, what he was talking about was the women in the, in the area because women were the most oppressed. And we're going to talk about this morning is all the different references in the scripture. It's amazing how if you read the New Testament through the understanding that, uh, uh, of how often and frequently Jesus interacts and references women in his ministry, and you realize that essentially by doing that, he was really breaking the law. Because at that time, it's, it's amazing when you read the scriptures through that, you realize the intense love that Jesus had for women. Um, and and it really, because the way that it was is as Jesus as a rabbi, according to the law, the Judaism law, the, uh, uh, a rabbi wasn't even able to acknowledge that a woman was in the room. That it was basically like women could come and they could go and they could do their things. But a, a rabbi, these people who essentially were God in their area, what they, they wouldn't even acknowledge that a woman was in the room. And we're going to see a stark contrast between the way that Jesus treated these women. Um, and so I, I really wanted to take the time today, like I said, to honor women, women, but also to hopefully maybe spark something on the inside of you where you realize, how do I step into the role that God has given to me? Because if there's one thing that I notice even about our culture is that, you know, and this is the thing is, is you can't change the outside until you change the inside, right? We all know that. And unfortunately, what's happened is, is even in the women's liberation movement, what they're constantly doing is highlighting what is the reality on the outside, trying to change the outside, but they haven't addressed the fact that on the inside, people have to change. I have to change to believe that I can be this person, I can do these things that I know that I was created for. And so inside the women's liberation movement, I believe why it's struggled with such oppression, why it hasn't necessarily done what so many people would have hoped that it would done, is that it's constantly trying to change the outside. It's trying to aggressively or, or do different things to change the outside without addressing the issue that I think that Jesus, even from his day, was trying to do, was helping to break off the oppressive chains that have held women down from stepping into their God destiny. Because whether you know it or not, it's really all that's talked about in our society. How hard and how much of a challenge it is for women to live in, what does it say? For a woman to live in a man's world. But we see Jesus has this contrast where his desire is that, not that he would teach women, you know, how to externally fight in order to, you know, take the power and get their right. But what he would talk to them about constantly was, how do we change what's on the inside? And this is really what's happening across the, uh, the world today. The, we went to this conference that was in Washington, D.C., for those of you remember, a, a little while back, a few months ago, excuse me, and one of the big things that Lou Engel was doing throughout this conference was he was desiring to empower women, that it was an awakening to women to step into their God-destined place, to realize that that it wasn't that God chooses men. And sometimes there can be that thing where it feels like men are on the forefront and men are doing it. It's kind of always the thing I hated about superheroes, where superheroes were always guys. And it seems like people who maintain these high places of authority is constantly in a man's world. And, and these people, Luengo, Chris Vallotton, the Beveers, they're, they're fighting back, but not fighting back on the outside, fighting back on the inside to teach people how to be empowered. Not how on the outside to try to take something, but how on the inside to be something. 
And that's really what Jesus did constantly throughout his ministry, is he was making people aware of the fact that women have as much value as a man has. And I know that sometimes it seems kind of a faux pas because in our culture, it's kind of like, yeah, we know that because we're sort of a part of this whole movement and those different things. And, and I think that that's wonderful. But whether we know it or not, like the women here, is that we live under the, the, under the, the labels and under the societal norms. And whether we know it or not, we can be a prisoner to some of these expectations. And so like I said, really my, my first initial intro into this was when I went and saw Wonder Woman in theaters. Um, and you may not agree with Wonder Woman, and I, I don't love Wonder Woman. I don't believe in the gods. I don't believe in Zeus. I don't believe that there are demigods amongst us. I don't believe that they're fighting battles. I just like the movie because I like the movie, okay? It was fun, and it was amazing. And it was like something happened on the inside of me when I watched Wonder Woman because I realized that there was a unique strength that God had given to women that her response to things, it wasn't that because she became a superhero and she became strong, it wasn't that she became a man. And I think that sometimes the thing that we could struggle with in our society is we feel like in order to be strong, we have to, you know, a woman's role, I guess we just have to be like a man, we have to be aggressive, we have to, you know, take charge. But what I loved about Wonder Woman was it was like her, her desire to see justice and her compassion and her love for people Really, those feminine qualities mixed with the God-given strength in our situation that God has placed on the inside of us is that she was able to change things, right? You remember seeing that movie? And she wanted to constantly stop and help people, and the men were like, no, we got to just keep moving forward. And she's like, no, these people, that there's a justice. There's a side of God that's inside of a woman that's not on the inside of a man. And if women, uh, I'll say like this, if we constantly think that the world belongs to men, we miss out on an entire side of who God is. Is. And I think in the church, that's what the church has done. The church has tried its darndest to try to shut women up, to try to squash them down by all the different things that we're going to read about in scripture that are totally wrongly interpreted. But they've done these things and we've missed out on this amazing side of God. We've missed out on the justice, the love, the desire, this passion that burns on the inside of a woman that for a lot of the time just doesn't burn on the inside of a man. And so because of that, you know, I look to Wonder Woman, and now that I'm having a daughter, it's like, you know, I'm, I bought her her first onesie as a Wonder Woman onesie, right? Because I'm like, you are going to be Wonder Woman, babe. Like, this is it, okay? And, and this is just my thing, and i become so, I don't want to say obsessed with it, but um, I, I want to raise her. Sorry, we just started buying bottles yesterday, and so it's like really getting real to me, right? Oh, man. Oh, okay. Um, but this is the thing is that there's a, there's a lover, there's a passion inside of a woman that in, the, in, in ministry needs to be released. And so my desire has been, you know, over the last little while to really come to an understanding of the desire that God has um, for women and their place, um, and, you know, so maybe, you know, you're not Wonder Woman and maybe you've never, you know, fought a god. You know, you never fought the god of war and, you know, you're not a trained mercenary like she was. But I think that for all of us, every single woman in this room, and, and really men included, is we've all felt oppressed. We've all felt judged. We've all felt wrongly accused. We've all felt like people have put labels on us. And because of that, we haven't been able to break free. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I, I don't want to take too much of your time. 
But I want to make sure that we understand this, is that when Jesus came, and we're going to talk about Jesus this morning, but when Jesus came, he was not interested in changing the outside. Because he could have. He, the scripture says he'd been given all power and all authority. It says when he was hanging on the cross that he could have called down legions of angels. He could have changed the outside. But he understood that if you try to change the outside without changing the inside, what's on the inside is just going to come on the outside all over again. And so what I want to make sure that we understand this morning is I'm not standing here telling you to, you know, go and, you know, make a picket or a sign and go stand in a picket line. I'm not telling you that you need to go now and be aggressive and fight against your husbands if they're, that's not what I'm trying to tell you this morning. Danielle, did you hear that? How can you? But what I'm saying is, is that there is a, there is a strength that if we can understand it on the inside, that it will release the God that God has put on the inside of you. So I want to read the scriptures this morning, and this is where we're going to go from. In Luke 10, 38, we all know this scripture. It's very familiar. It's, it's really our, when we meet Mary and Martha. For everybody in here, most of you probably know who Mary and Martha are. Um, this is, it's scripturally, it says that this is the first, I think this is kind of the first time they pop up, but some, some scholars say that Jesus would have grown up with them as well, that the closeness that they had would have been something like they would have been neighbors or something. And so, but this is the first time we read about them in scripture. So Luke 10, 38 said it like this. Now it happened. As they went, that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into, his, into her house. Which again, is a very, it, it, I, you have to understand, this is what I'm saying, this is what I'm going to try and help you to see. For even for the, the, the people, Luke, who wrote this particular passage of scripture, for him to say that this was Martha's house, that would never, women weren't allowed to have any possessions. They were a possession they weren't allowed to have possession. And so what's happening even in the writers is because they're constantly around Jesus, they're beginning to realize the way that Jesus views women, okay? And so what he's saying here, how he says that he, they came to her house. The house technically, like we know that she lived with Lazarus, right? Because we know that in the future, right, Jesus comes back to Lazarus's house and they're kind of all there. So really this is Lazarus's, but what? He's changing the mindset of the people in this time to cause them to understand that there's something in a woman that's not in a man, okay? And so it says this, Martha welcomed him to her house and she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus's feet and heard his word, okay? This is good. We're going to get here. I want to break it down, but I only want to break it down all right now, but we're going to break it down as we go. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Okay, so Mar Martha is busy doing the thing, okay? Martha is type A, right? She's like on task, she's on point, and she's doing it. She's serving, and really, this is what, in the culture, it, sometimes we see that like, oh, she should have done what Mary did, right? But in the culture, no women did what Mary did. Martha was just doing what was expected of her in society. Women's position in society, women did what women did, and that was serving. And so it wasn't that Martha was doing something that was wrong. Martha was doing just what she had always done. But Jesus came to what? Set the oppressed free. Okay? And so we're seeing, you're going to get this. I promise you're going to get this before we're done. And so it says this, but Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do this alone? Therefore, let her help me. And Jesus answered to her and said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen the good part, 
which will not be taken away from her, okay? And so we know that essentially, so Mary and Martha were sisters, and so they would have been raised the same. So I constantly was thinking to myself, what was, why did Jesus highlight on Mary so much and really kind of diss Martha? Okay, and I think that a lot of the times we think that, oh, well, Mary, Martha was so busy and, you know, she was just doing things. But it's not that Jesus loved Mary's laziness, right? I, we know that that's not true, right? Because Proverbs tells us that it's good to work. And so it's not that she hated Martha, he hated Martha or was rebuking Martha because of the work that she was doing. Okay, so it's not that, you know, what, all we have to do is sit down at Jesus' feet and never work and never do things. That's not what was happening. Okay, and sometimes we think that they were like, oh, you know, we shouldn't work. We should just spend more time with the Lord. And I'm sure for a lot of people that's true, but that's not what Jesus was highlighting on here. Because you see, what was Mary was doing at sitting at Jesus' feet was actually illegal. It was illegal for Jesus to teach a woman. And so... Basically, what Jesus was doing here is he's praising Mary, not because of the fact that work is bad, not because of the fact that doing things is bad, but he's praising Mary because it was like this idea where he was saying to Martha, I know that you've had 400 years of training to tell you that this is all that you can do, to tell you that this is all that your value is, to tell you that this is all that you, that, that this is all that you should expect out of life. But Mary has chosen the good thing, and the good thing was to understand that God has a plan for you. You, are you understanding this? That what Jesus is saying to Mary is, is not that he's not judging what's happening on the outside. What he's doing is, is he's causing Mary and Martha to understand that they don't have to live underneath the expectation that society had for them. And I think it's the same in today's society. I'll be honest with you. Even when I was thinking about, when I found out that I was having a girl, I was very excited. But logically in my brain, I'm thinking to myself, I am the firstborn son of my dad. And so it would be logical for God to give me a son. And so it wasn't that and by any means that I was upset about the fact that I was having a girl. I had to go to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, I need to understand why did you give me a girl? Because even in my brain, societally, I would have said, no, women, don't judge me. But I would have said, it would be smart for me to have a boy because the boy would have ta- he would have carried on my name and he would have continued on my legacy. And sometimes as you're listening to me right now, it may be difficult for you to understand that because in our world today, it's very much freedom of speech, very much these things are happening. But I think that ingrained in people in general is this reality. And dare I say that even in the church, even more so, there is this constant current where people are challenged to understand what Jesus was doing 2,000 years ago. And so I think about another story is that whenever the gospel writers, whenever they were writing about the accounts, you know, like Jesus feeds people, you know, Jesus feeds the 5,000 and Jesus feeds the 3,000, I always read it like, Jesus fed 5,000 men. Oh, like, and some women and children. And that was honestly how I always read it because it really seems like, oh, we're really categorizing the men. And it was like, yes, they're... But that's actually not the way that the, the, the disciples were writing these accounts. Because you have to remember that 
teaching to men was really not a big deal. So really what was happening was, is the disciples writing like this. Yeah, you know, Jesus talked about 5,000 men. But there were women and children who were at this meeting. Because historically, rabbis would not teach women and children. They would only teach. And so constantly, we're seeing throughout the scriptures, what Jesus is doing is he's forcing people to change the way that they think about women. He's causing people to understand that women have just as much of a place inside of this model as a man does. And so when they were constantly seeing Jesus and everything that he did, right? We're talking about the woman with the issue of blood. And that's the whole thing, right? Because when a woman was menstruating, she wasn't allowed to go into the city. Um, she had to stay home. And if for some crazy reason, she had to go out of her house. What she'd have to do is she'd have to walk to the street shouting, unclean, unclean. Why? Because the Pharisees were constantly desiring to shame and humiliate women. And so what happens out of a crowd of thousands of people, what does Jesus do? He calls out the one person. He's constantly interacting with the women. Why? Because he's forcing us. And you know, for a long time I thought about that he was trying to, he was trying to change the men's perspective. And I think that that's true in the time. I think that he was trying to do that. I think that he liked, you know, he constantly did things with women because he was a, ooh, he was a troublemaker when it came to the Pharisees. But I also think that what he was doing as he was ministering and doing these different things with women is he was trying to change what was on the inside of them. He was trying to break them free from thousands of years of oppression, trying to break them free from things that their parents and their society had told them to make them believe that they were going to be less than the people that God created them to be. And I don't think it's any different today. And we see it constantly, constantly throughout scripture, Jesus teaching women everywhere. Everywhere he goes, everything that he does, he's talking about women. I think about it like this. This one's going to sacrifice some uh, religious cows. How about let's talk about John chapter 2, verses 1. Because that's what we're doing, right? We're, we're having to change the way that we think. John chapter 2, verse 1. Is that what I said? John chapter 2, verse 1. This is the story we all know. This is Jesus' first miracle. This is when he turns the water into the wine. And we know that Jesus has this famous saying, right? That I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear my father say. But this was not the case in this story at all, actually. And we see this, that Mary comes to Jesus and says to Jesus, Jesus, like, you got to make some wine. Like, where the party is out and you got to do something. And Jesus responds to her and says, you know, woman, it is before my time, you know. And she turns back to him and said, and Mary, I can just imagine, and, you know, if she's Italian, she'd be like, she like pinches leg and she'd be like, make a wine, right? That's what she would do. And we see this, that you catch this, catch this. Jesus said, I only see what I hear my father say. I only do what I hear my father, what I see my father do. I only say what I hear my father say. He says, God said, it's not my time. Mary comes, who is a woman, and says, do something, and Jesus does it or doesn't do it. So that means that Jesus was okay to submit to and follow a woman. 
Is that not true? Uh, I only, you know, and maybe at this point, God said to Jesus, like, don't fight with her. Just do what she says, right? Because Mary, maybe, maybe Mary was feisty, right? We don't know yet. Right? Yeah, that's right. That's three years from now, buddy. Just make the wine, right? But we realize we're, we're, we're constantly being made aware of. Jesus was, if Jesus was okay to follow a woman, All right, you need some more stories? Let's talk about some more stories. How about Jesus? So he's constantly ministering to women, okay? How about the fact that Mary and Martha, when Lazarus Lazarus, uh, dies, we know that there's a whole kerfuffle that happens there. And, you know, Mary and Martha are mad because Jesus, it's a two-day journey. Jesus says he's, you know, the sickness isn't unto death. You know, it's no big deal. So he takes four days to get there, basically, like, not worrying about it. Mary and Martha runs out. And says to Jesus, yes, if you would have come, right? If you would have, this is another beautiful thing. Mary comes out, or Martha comes out and says, Jesus, if you would have been here, she's angry. If you would have been here, then it wouldn't have died. And she's just like, whatever. And Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And Martha's response is what? I I know that you are. The first time we read about this revelation of uh, somebody getting the revelation that Jesus is the resurrection and the life is not a man. It's not a disciple. It's a woman. Then we see Mary runs after, Mary was super emotional, like she's always crying or doing like ridiculous, like passionate, emotional things. And and Mary runs to Jesus and Jesus doesn't say to her, you know, she doesn't like get angry, she just gets emotional and she basically falls at Jesus' feet and she starts crying because she wants Lazarus. And I love what Jesus does, is that the scripture goes on to say, and Jesus wept. I love this about Jesus because he's willing to meet us where we are. Martha needed wisdom. She needed revelation. She needed understanding, and he gave it to her. But in Mary's case, Mary was not mad. She wasn't angry. Mary was sad. And Jesus didn't rebuke her. He didn't give her some philosophical. No, he bent, knelt, knelt down, and he cried with her. Because he sees the value in the woman. And so there's that. What about uh, Jesus' last request? You know, constantly when we see the people who crucified Jesus was all men. And the people who were with Jesus throughout his journey was all women. We see that when Jesus is constantly telling people, when he dies, in three days I will be resurrected. We read it constantly. In three days. He gives so many references After three days, who's the person who believes that he's going to be raised after three days and shows up at the tomb? Is it the disciples? Nope. It's a woman. (laughs) Then the woman goes back and tells them, hey, guys, what Jesus said is true. And what? They had to run and see for themselves. Okay? How about Jesus' last request is for John to take care of his mother? What about the woman at the well? I love this one. The woman at the well, right? We all know this story. Jesus goes to the woman at the well. She's a Samaritan woman. And so not only is Jesus ministering to a woman, but he's also ministering to a Samaritan, which is a double negative, but Jesus doesn't care. It's a pretty common theme throughout his ministry is that he really doesn't care. He's interested in setting the captives free, not in maintaining societal norms. 
And so Jesus goes to this woman at the well, and he has this amazing exchange where he tells the woman, give me some water, and the woman responds to him and says, you know, why are you talking to me, basically, because she's thrown off, and he just says, give me some water, and she goes to give him some water, and he says, you know, basically, he has this exchange where he says, if you drink from me, you'll never thirst again, and the woman says, like, okay, I, I, I want to drink from you, how do I do this, and the, he says to her, go get your husband, and the woman said, I don't have a husband, and Jesus says, yeah, I know, the person that you're living with right now is not your husband, and you've had five before. And the woman is very astute, and she said, oh, you must be a prophet, right? And he's like, ah, uh, yeah, duh, right? But the amazing thing was is that, here we go, is that the scripture goes on. If you read the end of this account, it says that the woman, the woman went into the town and gave her testimony, and people were saved. So this is the first account of a woman preaching in church. And then when they, she brings them back to Jesus, Jesus doesn't rebuke her for preaching to these men. Does he? Okay. I, actually, this is my last story that I'm going to talk about. This is my last thing I'm going to say, and I'm done. We talk so much about, um, there's so much about, man, the Lord, I, I heard a minister say this, that, they believe that God is raising up an end-time army, and the end-time army is women. A very credible prophetic person in the world, and that's, that's what he says. That it's time for the women to arise because they are, they are the secret weapon that God is getting ready to unleash. Let's go to this thing. Je we're talking about people preaching. So we see here that Jesus is okay with a woman preaching. Everybody see that? So if Jesus is okay with it, I think. But then you say, well, what about the times that Paul writes and tells a woman to be silent in church? I'm so happy you brought that up. <laughs> if you historically go back and look at, there was three different people that Paul ministered to. There was the Jews, there was the Romans, and there was the Greeks. Okay, If you go back and realize these are the three groups of people that Paul ministered to. You'll notice that when Jesus talks to the Jews... He doesn't say anything about women. When he talks to the Romans, he actually tells the men to empower the women. But when he talks to the Greeks, he says that all those things, women should be silent, blah, 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 they should do that whole thing. And so I looked at it and I did some study and I realized that the reason why he said that to the Greeks was that the Greeks, if you'll notice the names of the Greek cities, is that they're all women's names. So actually women were worshipped inside of these cities. And so what Paul was doing was, is he was having to set the right order because we know that God has designed it to be that men, men are the head, and that's just a God thing, right? And that women are to come under, but men are to love women as though they're also here, okay? So we see that it's like a beautiful circle. It's actually not that anybody's at the top, but if somebody has to be at the top, it's the man, but that's the God design. But a man is supposed to empower a woman so that she can be, okay? And so the reason why Paul writes to the Greeks is to all these different things is because in the cities, the women, may, they had the highest place. That's why. And so when they would go into synagogues, somebody could be there and he could be preaching and they could be saying something and all a woman would have to do is rise up and speak against that thing and everybody would believe the woman instead of the man. And so Paul was doing was setting order and precedent. However, he wasn't in the other books of the Bible or the other books that he writes, he writes about men empowering women. So this whole thing about women need to be silent if people actually knew, like if they didn't just be like, oh, let's just slam this down, 
he realized that the reason why Paul was doing this was not so that he could silence women, it's so that he could set the right order inside of the society so that God could bless the society. It actually had nothing to do with the fact, because if it did, then Jesus would have rebuked the woman for preaching to those people. Or he would have rebuked the men for listening to a woman, for allowing them to preach to her, but he wasn't. He wasn't interested. He actually went on top of what she said, and now the people said, we first believe because you preached to us, but now that we've met him ourselves, we too also believe. Does this make sense? So this is the order of God. And so when I asked the Lord what I wanted to say, I'm going to give you three quick things. Because we don't want to just experience freedom on the outside. I don't want to just hear a good message. I don't want to just understand and, or know something. I want, it to be, I want it to change something on the inside of me. And so I asked the Lord, Lord, what does this look like in order for me to, 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 to help people to understand what it looks like? Because we can't just change the outside. Like I said, you can't just try to be something on the outside when you're, have, when you're bound on the inside. I need to be free on the inside, and my result of being free on the inside is I'm going to be free on the outside. Let me give you three quick things. The first thing you have to do is you have to break off the labels. You got to break off the labels. For a long time, I would always say to, or, or about Danielle, when we had a relationship, we've had a relationship for a while, is I would always say to her, because for those of you who know her, she's like more Beyonce than Betty Crocker, right? <laughs> um, so I would always say to her, I would always say about her, you know, oh, you're too much, you know, because she'd do things, and she's just funny. She's just, like, just a wild person, and so I'd always say that, oh, you're too much. You're too much. Oh, gosh, you're too much. Like, how do you think that? How do you say that? You're too, and finally, I said it one time, and the Lord stopped me, and he said, she's not too much. She's just enough. And sometimes what can happen, I think, to people is that because the women are so different than men, I think that men don't know how to, we don't, we don't get a woman. Yeah. I think that's true, like men are from Mars and women are from Venus, right, that whole thing. Because I don't think that men, and so what can happen is, is that men, we want women to be more like men, right? Like, why are you crying? Why are you so emotional right now? <laughs> Just look at the logic of this. Like, logically, you shouldn't be upset, so why are you upset? And so sometimes the response can be that we put labels on and we're trying to expect women to be something different. And the very first thing that you have to do is you have to break off the labels. The second thing you have to do is realize that you are in control. You're in control of your own life. You're in control of what's happening in your life. God gave you the authority for your life to be exactly the way that you desire it to be. Sometimes what we can happen is we can think that we have to wait for other people in our lives to do things in order for us to be able to see the benefit of those things. But if you're believing God for your family to change, God has given you the authority to be able to change those things. It's just a matter of changing what's on the inside of us. And number three, you have to be you. I love this about the story of Queen Esther as we realize that Esther's trying to come up with a lot of different excuses as to why she can't be the person who God made her to be. But at the end of it, Mordecai encourages her to just be herself, to step out and be the woman that she is. And we realize that God changed something. Can I have the women just stand up? I just want to pray for you. The m women in general, not just mothers, women in general. So it was a Mother's Day message, and I hope that I talked fast. For all the men, can you just, just stretch your hands out to the women? We're going to believe that the Lord's going to break off the chains.
that he's going to unlock and release anointings and giftings that God has placed on the inside of them that they haven't been able to express because of the maybe oppression or things that they've felt on the inside of them. Father, right now, Lord, first off, Lord, we just thank you for the, the woman of our house, my mom. Father, we, we just thank you, Lord, that I believe that this message is a commissioning for her to lead the women, Lord, in a new direction, to be the people that God has called them to be. Lord, I'm thanking you for every anointing, every gifting, every grace that's necessary for women to be launched, to be the people that they were destined to be. Lord, we break off every chain every bit of bondage, Lord. We break off every societal limit that, that has been placed upon them, every wrongful expectation or every wrong uh, uh, responsibility that they would carry would be loose from them now. Father, that they would step into the fullness of who they were made to be. No excuses, Lord, no, no more wavering, but Father, that they would be everything that they were created to be. Lord, release the anointing and the grace right now. Father, we even accept that as a church, as a house. Lord, as we're understanding what you're doing and, why, and we're choosing to step into this understanding of how you see women. Father, no longer looking to things differently than the way that Jesus did. But Lord, we're declaring this is the norm. This is the new norm. And we accept it and we receive it. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.